You're listening to Lanyap, a weekly digest of news, personal finance, brotherly banter, and whatever else is on our minds. From Stokes Family Office. All right, this is uh, the new year, 2023, first Lanyap podcast of 2023, Doug and Greg Stokes uh, with Stokes Family Office. We took a break last week. Um, I think it was unintentional, but we were all over the country. Greg was at the Fiesta Bowl in, uh, in Scottsdale and Phoenix and had a great time watching TCU beat Michigan. We're both uh, alums of TCU and excited to watch TCU play Georgia in the national championship. Uh, I guess the game will be over by the time this podcast comes out. So hoping for the best there. And I was uh, in Montana with, uh, with my uh, wife and kids skiing and enjoying the snow. But Anyway, thanks for listening. It's been one year since we launched this and uh, really excited about uh, an interesting 2023. Hopefully, 2023 is not as eventful as 2022 was. Uh, we were talking before we hit record that um, our first podcast were so, so naive to think that there was a, you know, maybe a continuation of what was happening in 2021 into 2022 with maybe some rate hikes, but no expectation of mortgage rates hitting 7% and uh, inflation getting out of control and, and Russian invading Ukraine and markets off 28% at their, at their lows. So, um, hoping for a lot more moderation in 2023. Uh, one thing I want to talk about today, Greg, is, is just the general sentiment in the markets and, and just communication with clients and people in the industry and want to get your take as to, uh, what, not necessarily what you believe what's going on in markets, but where do you just generally think that sentiment is right now? Uh, sentiment is horrible right now, essentially. <laughs> so if you look back, but if you look back at, um, our first recording and our first few recordings, you actually, if you look at Spotify, we were talking, the, the, the uh, episodes were flagged for COVID related discussions. Anything that was COVID related was flagged in their systems. And that's what we were talking about one year ago today. We were talking about the fact that Omicron was this new variant and was coming out and may basically infect everybody. And, and uh, we may get herd immunity as a result of that. Now, COVID is really, COVID's, like, I guess, somewhat in the picture still with China to a degree, but it's almost, it's almost not at all. Um, everything yeah, people right have now, moved on. People have moved on from that mentally. I mean, I was at the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, you saw, I saw some people with masks as it relates to, I think, the, the China thing. Um, but in general, I think the whole the collective philosophy has moved on from that particular issue. We're also at that point in time focused on um you know a recent the bull market basically the the i think it was the first trading day of 2022 was the was the peak of the bull market um so we were we were you know everything was kind of hunky-dory from the perspective of the markets uh we inflation was up for a couple of months but i don't when, i don't do you remember when we got our first fed hike now everything is fed March. related March, 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 right so yeah. it was just that was just becoming uh, an issue. Russia was just becoming, I mean, we talked, I remember talking to Colin Roche about the price of oil and he's like, well, all of this goes, his prognosis, prog- 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 his prognostication was that the price of oil and commodities would stay steady unless something happened with Russia. And lo and behold, something happened with Russia and his, his prediction went out the window, per, which is what he said. Uh, so nobody was talking about any of these things. Right now, every, the mood is incredibly bearish uh, in the markets. Today, for example, the ADP came out with job, new job data, and 
the markets are selling off as a result of that because they think that the market thinks that the Fed is going to have to be more aggressive. The Fed is uh, is communicating to the markets they're they're going to stay more restrictive in 2024, uh, 2023 into 2024. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Yeah, they don't. They don't even know. By the way, on that, <laughs> that's the funny thing. They might be four rate hikes last year, and there was like there was like twelve. Um, I remember our first episode we talked about, we read a Morgan Housel article from 2015 and the title of it was how bad are wall street forecasts really bad. Uh, so as we approach 2023 and I'm sure we'll listen to this again, um, this time next year, uh, it's just, the sentiment is bearish. Everybody, uh, has the opinion that we're entering imminent recession. Uh, the fed is trying to introduce higher unemployment. Uh, and try to bring the economy down in, toward, in order to temper inflation. Um, that is the narrative at this point in time, and I'm sure that's going to change in the next couple of months. But just uh, be reminded that sentiment does not always uh, dictate reality, and uh, and we'll see what the future holds this year. I'll, t- I'll tell you a couple positives. Uh, one is from uh, J.C. Peretz, who's a who's a what, what they call a technician, but essentially what that means is somebody that doesn't really look at fundamental data, but looks at trends. And trends are typically the supply and demand of markets. So for example, if there's more buyers and sellers, then you can basically see that the market is trending in a positive direction. And so you can gain some insight from that. Uh, you can look at presidential terms and look at performance across uh, different years in a presidential cycle and, and gain some insight from that. But it doesn't really tell you anything that's what's going on fundamentally and it just basically looks at price and tries to determine from a price standpoint whether there's optimism or pessimism in the markets and basically what he's saying and we'll link this article to the show notes is uh, number one third year of a presidential cycle is typically its best um, and so we're entering uh, the third year midterm year is typically the worst uh, we had a pretty bad year last year uh, but uh, what he's saying is, according to Oppenheimer, since 1928, S&P 500 averages an 18% return uh, in pre-election years, following a down midterm year. Uh, that also comes with an eight. Uh, yeah, it also comes with an 80% hit rate. So in year, so 80% of the time after a down mid mid uh, midterm year, uh, you get an average 18% return. That's that's a uh, that's not bad. Uh, since 1928. S&P 500 has only posted back-to-back losses. We were down close to 20% last year, eight times. Eight times in the last 100 years or so, uh, the S&P has been down back-to-back years. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a pretty low probability event. Uh, obviously, it can happen. Um, and then the other, the other component of this, in those years that there were back-to-back losses, Q4 returns were negative in seven out of those eight years. S&P was up 7% in Q4 2022. So um, this would be an outlier in that regard. Uh, and then uh, and then he says, Here, here's our breakdown of cycle composite for 2023. This includes every year since 1950, all the pre-election years since then, and of course, every third year for the decennial cycle. Um, and essentially what he's looking at here is just pot lower, you know, lower left to upper right is what I see, meaning positive returns for the S&P 500 in a, in a uh, you know, third year of a pre- presidential cycle and then obviously bucking the trend on two consecutive down years. So um, if you 
if you ignore the fundamentals, ignore the narrative, and just follow what actions are occurring in markets and look at history, as JC is trying to do here, then uh, there's some positivity going along with that. I want to mention another. We we talk about Sam Rowe all the time, so this is probably getting old for people that listen on a regular basis, but uh, he gives uh, nine reasons to be optimistic about the economy and the markets. Um, Number one, uh, demand for labor is still extremely strong. It's come off from its highs uh, summer of 2022, but uh, compared to uh, pre-pandemic, job openings are still drastically higher than they were before the pandemic. Uh, There's about a uh, consumer finances are very strong. There's about a trillion dollars of excess savings uh, still from the pandemic. Uh, businesses are investing at a record rate. Uh, and so if you look at trends of, of capital expenditures, that's core CapEx or business investment, uh, near record $75.2 billion of investment from businesses uh, in November. Um, gasoline prices are below where they were this time last year. So uh, in terms of the uh, spending component for households, gasoline's a big component of that, and, and that's really not, not an issue currently. Uh, supply chains have improved. That was the narrative this time last year that there was inflation because of bottlenecks in, in you know Los Angeles and uh, and all of these ports. Uh, that's really a non-issue now. Uh, delinquent debt is extre- still extremely low and below pre-pandemic levels. Mortgage payments are manageable. Uh, mortgage payments as a percentage of disposable income are still you know well below where they were in even pre-pandemic. I mean, they're almost back to where they were pre-pandemic, even after interest rates have risen so much because people locked in uh, low mortgage rates uh, during 2020-2021. We're seeing uh, activity around layoffs, specifically Amazon just announced 18,000 layoffs. Now they employ over a million people. So 18,000 sounds like a big number. It's really nothing for them. Uh, But layoff activity is still very low and below where it was Pre-pandemic, uh, corporate earnings are still expected to be high. We'll see if there's revisions there. Um, so, listen, the narrative is negative, but if you actually look under the hood and look at at uh, price data, price data is positive. Positive Q4. Uh, you know, it's a third year of a presidential cycle, et cetera. And then some economic numbers are good. So, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm, you know, I have I have a, a tendency to to go along with the narrative just because there's a fear component that everybody has. But if you actually start reading a little bit more, um, it, it, you get a l- more optimistic related to this economy. I hope, I hope that's right though. I think that if you look at it from a, from a thousand foot view, 120 years ago, we weren't even as a, as a species, we hadn't even flown yet. 60 years after that, we went to the moon 20 years ago, things didn't exist. YouTube, Instagram, Uber, Tesla, Facebook, the iPhone, Google Maps, WhatsApp, Netflix, Zoom, Amazon Prime, Uber. The iPhone. The, right. I mean, things, things just in a, from a big, and then if you look from a, from a global uh, quality of life standpoint, uh, severe Poverty is at historic lows. I mean, it, we everything in we're we're going we're we're living in it. The short the long term is a period of short terms that are strung together. So we're experiencing these fluctuations in the market on a day to day basis. But if you look at these those those micro trends and the macro trends, 
this we sh if we look back at this from at the end of the year or end of the subsequent year, we're probably going to be thinking about something else. That's the way that I I rationalize this stuff. But it, again, I, I'm I'm a human being, and I'm still I'm still susceptible to these same gyrations in the markets, et cetera. Um, but I think that you're exactly right, and I think that if you look at things from a from a really big picture perspective, we're on a really good trend. Yeah, I also will say this. I mean, and, and um, we had Colin Roche on the podcast uh, around this time last year. He released his uh, his uh, you know, predictions or forecasts for 2023. Of course, um, well, he actually he basically hedges his bets and says that there's a probability distribution, meaning. I think it could go a few different ways. I'm putting 50% on this way, 25% on this way, and 25% on this way. So, um, which is the way you should think about, uh, you know, the future is like the, there is no certainty whether it's positive or negative, and so you you assign a different probability distribution to certain outcomes, and and then design a portfolio around that. Uh, when we had him on the podcast last year, he had had mentioned that the range of outcomes is quite wide. Um, you know, Russia could invade Ukraine, oil could go to $120 a barrel, and my whole thoughts around the economy could completely change. Uh, that's, uh, that ended up happening. And so there was a, that was a, at the time, seemingly a small probability event that came to fruition. Um, but what, what he's saying this year is, is also the truth. The range of outcomes is wide. We could go from, a uh, you know, no recession, uh, and a soft landing by the federal reserve to, a we could have an inflation spiral uh, like the 1970s, or we can have a hard level, uh, landing and a collapse in housing prices and you know 2008 type, type scenario. And the way that you should think about all of these potential outcomes is from a portfolio approach and having major diversification across um, you know, stocks, bonds, cash, and, uh, and then expect things to happen that are unexpected uh, and that's the whole point of portfolio diversification. If if we all were all positive, then we'd be 100% stock and not worry about it. And you maybe be blind by, blindsided by something that we didn't expect to happen. If we were 100% pessimistic, we'd be 100% cash and never get back into the market because we were always expecting the worst around the corner and be be surprised by continued gains. And so somewhere in the middle is probably the place to be. I think that whole diversification approach is really it's really demonstra uh, demonstrated really well in this uh, diversification quilt that I pulled from all star charts this for for those of you who have who have, we haven't discussed this in person this is one of our, our our favorite educational tools when we meet with people to talk with them about diversification but basically it goes through a through a sector by sector approach year by year who is the winner or, or which particular sector is the winner and which is the loser and it's human nature, of course, to say, okay, well, I want to be invested in the winner, so I'm going to be invested in um, whatever won the last year or the last several years. And for basically from 2020 till 2010, technology was in the top, it was the top performing sector or was in with, within the top two or three performing sectors over that period of time. So basically, you look like an idiot if you hadn't been buying technology and and as a human being, you wanted to, to keep buying technology because that's what, that's what worked in the past. And likewise, energy, oil, et cetera, was at the bottom. And you look like an idiot if you were buying energy for the last 10 years. Lo and behold, the last couple of years, the sort of narrative has flipped almost on its head. 
energy in 2021 and 2022 uh, was uh, was the top performing sector. In 2021, energy did 46%. 2022, energy did 57%. Technology last year did negative 30%. So bottom line is it is really important from a macro perspective, like Doug's saying, to allocate your assets based upon this, this sort of range of outcomes that exist. And in a micro perspective, from a sector standpoint, it, it really nobody knows how this is all going to play out. The price of oil in 20, March of 2020 got to negative $38 a barrel or something like that. So you were literally paying an, another a party that you were selling to to take the oil off of your hands in March of 2020. And then in 2021 and 2022, all of a sudden energy is outperforming everything, which is just crazy to me. There's also the falling knife component to this too. I mean, we had, there's people that in, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016, that were just, uh, you know, pounding the table on, I mean, we live in an area of the country that's very uh, energy focused. And so a lot of people's parents, grandparents worked for Chevron, Exxon, very much, um, you know, have sentimental uh, feelings towards those companies and then own a lot of stock in them. And so, you know, after one year or two years or three years of negative uh, performance, you continue to just double down and double down. And and if you look at this chart, I'm staring at it right now, energy's in black, uh, Twenty the worst performing uh, sector, uh, let's see, from 2014 to 2020, that is a uh, what seven years energy is the worst performer six out of the seven years and so that's the uh, the other side of this is uh being too uh momentum driven or too contrarian is uh is generally not a good um not a good uh portfolio approach uh so diversification this is a just a good good illustration that uh there is no there's completely random there is no way to predict this and uh, and having the micro allocation across various sectors, with maybe maybe you have some uh, tilts towards a certain sector in a portfolio or a certain style, growth versus value, or small cap versus large cap, or international versus domestic. Uh, you know, minor tactical tilts in those directions don't really hurt, and they may you know, make you feel better about your portfolio. But going all in on one approach is basically what the theme of this discussion is. Is generally an ex- exercise in futility, and and pr- generally will blow up a portfolio over a long period of time if you do it enough. Um, I think that it's crazy how the narrative has had changed so much. I mean, if you look back at like the 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 ridiculous, uh, I, there was this uh, this snapshot of the uh, dictionary of buying cryptocurrencies, and a lot of these like horrible companies are trading at like hundred times revenue or whatever. They had HODL was one of them, which is H, hold on for dear life. Um, diamond hands, which means that you hold on to it no matter what, and paper hands, et cetera. And, and so the narrative has changed completely from that sort of nonsense to, uh, to people trying to, <laughs> trying to get their ducks in a row and value-oriented investors and Warren Buffett, et cetera. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal a week ago about this guy who um, – who was trading stocks in the pandemic, and he's getting out of that game now because he's lost all of his money. And he lost like two thousand dollars or something like that, which is not a lot of money, obviously. But for people, a lot of some people, it's a lot of money. In the in the context of the the uh, institutional uh, environment, l- 
the people, the, the VCs or venture capitalists, which raise money for really speculative um, companies that, that trade at these extremely or traded at these extremely high multiples of revenue. Um, those, these guys were like the, the smartest guys in the room for the, you know, for the last 10 years up until the last year, obviously. Um, Andreessen Horowitz, all these, all these VC guys from uh, the, Bay, the Bay Area, et cetera, um, were returning these incredible returns to their investors. Last year, venture capital, um, t- the targeted rate fundraise for, the, for venture capital funds was $56 billion. This is a t- uh, from Santiago Solanay. $56 billion was their target. They only raised $3 billion of their targeted $56 billion. That was over the last six months. So that, that whole market has really dried up almost overnight. Um, and I that's think they really- raised like $130 billion in, in 2021. Um, yeah, so uh, a lot, a big sentiment shift. Now, that, that leads you to think like uh, there's going to be opportunity in that area. It's, this is very similar to 2000 and 2002, at least, at least in that particular part of the world in which right. the 90s were, you know, VC guys were the uh, creme de la creme in the 90s. Everybody wanted to be a venture capitalist. Uh, that was coming out of these graduate schools, and uh, right, everybody wanted to be a crypto guy. Recently, which is probably there's probably then in the two thousands, everybody wanted to be a hedge fund guy, and hedge hedge funds have been out out of favor. Private equity was the the hot thing uh, in the you know mid two thousands, and then venture. uh, You know that that basically that's the directions is going, and I'm I'm sure the venture returns will repeat themselves at some point in the future. But um, yeah, it's uh, you know these things are very cyclical so i'm just reading this is a this these are just not really related to this discussion but but i find it pretty interesting the we, this is from a car dealership guy the percentage of car buyers who committed to monthly payments of one thousand dollars or more in q4 of 2020 was 6.7 percent. so monthly payments of six thousand dollars or more uh in in 2020 was six percent 2021 is 10%. 2022 is 15.7%. So I think we're going to see a shakeout in that particular area. Um, it's, that just seems to to me is just ridiculous. Yeah. Price of cars plus interest rates plus lease rates all just ballooned, um, during the pandemic. And a lot of that was supply chain driven, but it's also just access to cash that people had that they don't have anymore. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, there are there are negatives, um, of course, and so we'll, we're going to get a lot of information uh, in the first half of this year, uh, just as the direction the economy is going. There was a ton of rate hikes that occurred in the back half of 2022 that are just starting to show up in the economy. We've seen this in inflation data in November, uh, October, and November, and in, inflation print for Federal Reserve I think comes out t- tomorrow. Um, this is the 5th of, uh, yeah, January. Yeah. So, um, we'll see the direction that inflation is going and, uh, and a lot of that is going to drive, uh, federal reserve policy. And I'm guessing this is my prediction for 2023 that the, uh, federal reserve at is, is, uh, going to be sort of a, uh, secondary concern, uh, this year, just because it's nobody really cared what the fed was doing. Uh, for a decade, and all of a sudden, the Fed drives everything in markets, and I'm I'm not really sure that that's the case. I think that's just the narrative of the day, and that will uh, will move on from that at some point. 
Okay. I, I, uh, I agree with you and I hope you're right because I'm sick of talking about the Fed. Um, we were, but I'm glad that we're not talking about cryptocurrency anymore. So that's one of the positive things. What we do, what we should do is share with, uh, listeners that at least this is my favorite, uh, person to follow is, uh, TikTok investors on Twitter and just allow people to go back and look at, look at what people were saying during 2020 and 2021. Um, and it's just, uh, it's fun to revisit that period of time and, and hopefully it doesn't come back because it's just a, it's just insane what was happening. My favorite is this, the, this guy just talks about his investing style is to buy when things are going up. And then as he starts to see them go down, sell and then buy as they go up again. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, we'll share that with uh, people, but, uh, it's just a good reminisce and hopefully 2023 things come back to normal. Yeah. That same, that same sentiment existed in, um, in the dot-com era as well too with each for the e-trade baby and all this stuff so it's right. the same same sort of retail uh sentiment that you know just what you know anybody can make money there's a really we also share that clip of uh, dave portnoy oh his, yeah <laughs> that is the absolute best he he started trading stocks like uh right march of 2020 march yeah. of 2020 so he was he they with this there was a the video montage of his uh <laughs> of him buying stocks and 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 dealing with the the aftermath of that and it was very positive obviously for the first year of that uh that that series and then it, it obviously has gone off a cliff he was he was buying stuff with that really i remember during the pandemic he bought uh one stock by picking out scrabble pieces <laughs> <laughs> and, and bought the ticker that whatever number and then he, he would like made money on it but uh, obviously he also he, he, was commenting on Warren Buffett and he said the old man's lost his fastball right. <laughs> exactly I know and then I was and he, he was buying all these like cryptocurrencies and stuff that were just they went to I remember he bought safe moon or some yeah. some stupid thing like that and went to zero so anyway it's really fun to see that's a great representation of the psychology of investors that existed over the last couple of years um, I think especially in the retail space um, and and what we're seeing now and that as it relates to that Wall Street Journal article and what you can see in, in Portnoy's uh, eyes as he's losing money like crazy the last six months or 12 months, I think that's coming to an end. Um, but likewise, the, the, that same thing existed in the – that same attitude existed in the institutional space with these VC guys raising money like crazy. Um, that's really come – that's fallen off a cliff like no, no, nobody else. Um, I think uh, – so as it relates to the – my prediction for 2023, I think that, I think that we're probably – going to be talking about something other than the Fed. At least I hope so, because I'm so sick of talking about the Fed. Um, I hope that we're talking about the uh, Cinderella story of uh, college football um, next week. Um, Cinderella, uh, you know, winning the game in TCU. And again, now I'm sure that a very small percentage of people listening to this podcast care about this, but it's uh, very personal to our family. Um, we for those of you who don't know, my parents, all four of their children went to TCU. It was really an unknown school um, up until, you know, t we really graduated and we're competing in the, on, the, on the national stage for a national championship in college football. Um, and, and more personally, of the four kids, three of us actually married um, uh, spouses that went to TCU. So incredibly personal. We're really excited. And uh, I hope we can pull it out. We're a big underdog, and we shall see. 
All right. Well, Happy New Year to everyone, and uh, we look forward to a successful 2023 uh, with Stokes Family Office and with the Lanyap Podcast. And please like, uh, give us five stars, and, and share with your friends. Go Frogs. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lanyap. This podcast is brought to you by Stokes Family Office. If you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Stokes Family Office and Lanyap, visit us at stokesfamilyoffice.com. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.